When it comes to cybersecurity, there's been one word on everyone's mind of late, ransomware. Ransomware attacks are surging. And major companies like the Colonial Pipeline, Meat Supplier, JBS, Kia Motors have all found themselves in the crosshairs in the last year. But it's not just large companies getting hit, and it's not just information technology that's under attack. Operational technology, manufacturing systems can also be compromised. In fact, there's malware out there that's been specifically designed to impact OT systems, and that can have huge ramifications on critical national infrastructure. With that cheery introduction, I welcome you to the inaugural edition of the Industrial Cybersecurity Pulse podcast. Thanks so much for joining us today. I'm Gary Cohen with Industrial Cybersecurity Pulse. Co-hosting with me is Tyler Wall. Say hello, Tyler. Hello. Yes, I am also with uh, Industrial Cybersecurity Pulse. I, I sort of treated you like a trained SEAL there, so I apologize for that. But, you know, <laughs> we're new at this thing. That's all right. <laughs> so today, we're uh, our guest today, which we're very excited about, is a very, very smart person who knows a lot about industrial cybersecurity. That's Haley Turner. She's the director of industrial security with Dark Trace. We'll talk to her in a little while about uh, ransomware, which, again, big topic of late, uh, how you pre protect your industrial control systems. Uh, she's also very, very smart about uh, the use of um, AI and machine learning to help protect systems. So Haley Turner will be our guest a little bit later, and we'll talk a little bit about ransomware, which Tyler seems like a great place for us to start with our inaugural podcast here, because, well, the last year, there's been a little bit of it. There really has been, Gary. There really has been. And what ransomware is, essentially, is when a threat actor will hold another company or person's data for ransom. Uh, essentially blocking it off from that person or company from using it. However, when these um, companies or people go back to actually buy it, they do not always get their data back, which is unfortunate. Or they get it back and it's compromised. Or frankly, if I got my data back from somebody who had ransomware it, I'm not sure how confident I'd be reinstalling those systems because you never know. Yeah, could happen again and again and again. <laughs> exactly. So... Um, and it's been happening over and over again. The, the good news, I think, about the way that ransomware has been happening, if there's good news about ransomware, is that most of the people or most of the high profile cases, and obviously these are the ones that are reported on in the media. I'm sure there have been tons more that we've never heard about. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, it's a, generally it's been a cash grab. It's been like, like you would kidnap a person and ransom them. They're, they're just trying to get money generally in Bitcoin. Um, and that can be very damaging to companies. A, it's super expensive. Uh, generally, to get your information back. Oh, like yeah. Tyler said, you don't know what you're getting back. Um, but also, there's it could be you know reputational damage to the company, like Colonial Pipeline. That it was a really high profile attack that people knew about. Oh yeah, and it really affected the people on the East Coast, especially um, airline companies. And all of that. So it just, it goes beyond just the scope of money, even, and that actual stolen data. It just impacts more and more people as it dominoes. So, yeah. And you, you look at what happened in uh, with the Colonial Pipeline. I mean, it's the largest pipeline bringing oil and gas up and down the East Coast, you know, between really Florida, the Gulf, and New York. And when the news came out, there were, I mean, we're having our own gas problems now, but there were runs on gas stations in the South because people were, you know, the Colonial Pipeline had to shut down for a few days and nobody knew if there was going to be a gas supply. And yeah. I think it was a little bit of a manufactured crisis. It was fear that made people do that. I don't think there really ever was a shortage, but those are the kind of ramifications that it can have. 
Yeah. And it's crazy that they were able to just get in through their billing system too. And it just caused this mass hysteria for a couple of days when they did have to shut it down. So uh, it's just really important and we need to be more careful about um, stolen data and just making sure we're all protected and uh, exercise proper cyber cleanliness, especially. Yeah, I mean, one of the things we talk about with Haley a little bit later, uh, and she speaks a lot more eloquently than I'm sure I do about this stuff, and I is uh, don't don't agree with me on that. You <laughs> agreed really fast on the fact that she's more eloquent than I am. <laughs> but she's, uh, you know, OT systems. There's been this myth for a long time, operational technology systems, that they are air gap, that they're protected from cyber attack because they aren't connected to any networks inside the the, the companies. So they are quote unquote air gap. I'm not sure if that was ever true, but it definitely isn't true anymore. They're all pretty accessible. Uh, as it turns out at this point, most of the ransomware attacks that seem to be coming in are coming in through information technology. So again, maybe OT systems are protected, but the problem is IT and OT are so interconnected right now for most companies that if you hit an IT system, it's easy, well, easy, but there can be a cross breach into the OT systems or companies may just not have enough visibility. They may not know for sure that a company that like, like Colonial Pipeline, that their OT operations aren't going to be compromised and end up having to shut them down. That to, to the best of anybody's knowledge, publicly, that Colonial Pipeline attack came in, like Tyler said, through the billing system, through an IT system. But the, there was enough concern at Colonial Pipeline that they went ahead and shut down their their pipeline for a couple of days, which, you know, hugely expensive to the company and 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 is the thing that caused the runs on gas stations and things like that. So IT and OT now are so interconnected that just because an attacker comes in through your billing system, your processing, something like that does not mean that your manufacturing environment is safe. Yeah, absolutely. And that's when it gets into the idea of ITOT convergence and really making sure that both the IT and OT departments are working together and um, just staying connected and realizing that they are on the same team and that they, even though they might be different to some degree, it's, uh, it's the same fight. So it's just working together and really trying to help prevent any problems uh, from threat actors. So. Right. And the other thing is industrial control systems, again, used to not so much be on networks. They are now. Everything is connected now. They are designed mm -hmm. to be connected now, which obviously makes them much more vulnerable just because vulnerable. And just because most of the attacks have come through uh, the IT side does not mean that there is not ransomware that targets OT systems. That is out there and it is being used. And uh, it's something we talk about around the uh, <laughs> proverbial industrial cybersecurity pulse water cooler quite a bit. Maybe it's just because we're catastrophists, but it's, you know, these IT breaches uh, of ran these, these times where, where companies are being ransomware, we've kind of been lucky so far in that it has just been company damage. Because what we're talking about that gets really scary is when you start talking about critical national infrastructure. Oh, yeah. Look at something like like Oldsmar, which which wasn't ransomware, but Oldsmar, Florida, where somebody went in to a water system in the city of Oldsmar, Florida, raised the levels of lie in the water. Now, it wasn't a very savvy threat actor. They were caught. Nothing bad happened. But if you start thinking about the kind of damage that could be done to a nuclear facility, a water wastewater facility, electrical, oil and gas, building automation systems, 
then these attacks start getting really scary. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. The amount of power now that everything's connected so much, especially in the IIoT space and just that, yeah, the interconnected nature, it just makes it simple for once you get in there to actually kind of weasel your way all around. Like you can bump the boilers up. You can lock all the doors closed in these smart buildings. It, it's crazy. It's crazy. But yeah, anyway, if you think about, you know, if you, <laughs> if you, you know, extrapolate on what happened in Oldsmar, if somebody had been uh, a little better at what they were doing or had come in with malicious intent, you know, you raise the levels of lie in drinking water. Uh, this may be news to some people. Lie, not good for human bodies. Uh, you could do a lot of damage. I mean, that is a lot of, of, of damage that you can do to human health and safety, to human safety, to environmental safety. When you think about, you know, nuclear facilities or electrical facilities. So, mm -hmm. you know, if somebody comes in and starts using ransomware on those sorts of industrial control systems, if somebody comes in with malicious intent, if a nation state actor comes in and wants to, to cause some damage and wreak havoc on the U.S., that to me is where these things get really, really scary. Oh, yeah. Once critical in, in critical infrastructure gets thrown into the mix, everything it does get much more real very quickly. Yeah. And it's and uh, almost every conversation uh, Tyler or I or anybody has with somebody who works in uh, protecting OT systems, it just works in cybersecurity. I walk out of that conversation a little bit more scared than I was in, going into the conversation because it's, oh, yeah. there's always these little tangents that we take where I go, oh, I, I, because uh, as we like to say here, we're both a little bit short of our engineering and cybersecurity degrees. So <laughs> some of the stuff we haven't thought of and you and somebody goes, uh, boy, I think what's going to happen when the threat actors start leveraging 5G technology and artificial intelligence and we go, good God, <laughs> that had never occurred to me. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And although Haley, our guest today, has a delightful Australian accent and I am a sucker for a good Australian accent. She is Australian. She wasn't faking it. Uh, <laughs> they, it was the same kind of thing. We walked out of that interview and went. Oh boy, this could get really ugly really fast if some uh, malicious threat actors out there uh, take advantage of some not very well protected systems. Oh yeah, she gives some really great insights. Yeah, and that's I mean well, one last thing, and then we can bring Haley in here is that's one of the scary things too is when you're dealing with operational technology manufacturing systems. A lot of these systems are older systems; they've been around for 20, 30 years, and they're super reliable and they get the job done. And taking them down would basically shut off the cash register for companies. It's hard to do. It costs them money. Um, but they weren't designed with cybersecurity in mind. They weren't designed to be protected from these kinds of cyber attacks. Absolutely. And a lot of times the people operating them um, ha don't really understand the threat that's out there. So you're dealing with older systems that may not be super well protected. And unfortunately, a lot of times you're dealing with government systems and sometimes the government does not operate like a Swiss watch and, you know, things haven't been patched, uh, mm -hmm. leaving them a little bit, uh, a little bit open to attack. Yep. And they have problems. If you do go to update them, you're going to have downtime, which just causes other problems. So it's really, it's a double-edged sword. You gotta, there's no, there's no true, well, there is a true win, but in the short term, there is no real win. <laughs> you just got to stick it out and update it and then... And then you're better from there, make it much more easily, easily accessible and 
just able to be updated regularly. Because, yeah, like you said, those systems, they're 20, 30 years old. And the people that have been operating them, same people have been operating them for 20 to 30 years. So it's just getting that newer tech in there, as well as either A, training those people that have been working those specific ICS systems for the past 20 to 30 years, or also starting to filter in a newer generation that understands those systems. And this may be another conversation for another day, but that divide that that exists between IT and OT, you know, the IT people who are terrific at protecting systems may not fully understand what's going on on the plant floor. And the people on the plant floor don't really fully understand, you know, what the IT people are doing. So it's easy for IT to go in and go, hey, shut down the systems, run the patches, because that's what you can do on the IT side, but that's not as easy to do uh, on the OT side. And, and so that... Those two groups talking, working together, understanding each other is a is a big part of all this. And to a point that Tyler made a second ago, um, you know, with ransomware and cyber attacks, it's really not a matter of if anymore. It's a matter of when. I mean, mm-hmm. when are you going to f- have your time in the barrel? Because, um, man, there's a lot of threat actors out there. There's a lot of money to be made. And they generally, as with most things, the attackers are often a step ahead of the defenders. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, I 100% agree. We just gotta, yeah, like the theme of this has been just gotta update and patch and just get everything up to speed. Just get everybody on the same page and we'll be in a perfect world. (laughs) So if you haven't noticed already, this is going to be a really cheery, upbeat podcast where we talk about happy things uh, like your systems being ransomed and threats to human life and safety. So, uh, Exactly. So let's bring in Haley Turner. So Haley Turner, uh, like I said, she's the director of industrial security at Darktrace. Darktrace, a company that really uses um, artificial intelligence, machine learning well to protect systems and industrial systems. She had a lot of insight into why ransomware attacks are on the rise, why industrial uh, control systems are, are more at risk than they have been before. Uh, looked at some examples like Colonial Pipeline and Not Petcho, where you know attacks um, on OT systems occurred and kind of wreaked havoc on the world. So, uh, really, really interesting conversation. We were very pleased to have her on. And uh, without further ado, let's bring in Haley. Welcome, Haley. Thanks for being with us today. My pleasure. So we'll talk a little bit about ransomware, which obviously is top of mind for government, corporations, everybody at this point. So tell me about what can be done to defend against ransomware attacks that indirectly are leading to shutdowns by first compromising IT systems. Yeah, sure, absolutely. And it, it's a it's definitely a big topic at the moment around how do we how do we stop the impact on the the operating environment um, of, of a ransomware attack in IT. Um, I, I think the number one thing here is about unifying visibility and unifying protection, the approach to protection across both environments. Now that that ITOT convergence has, it's making that border, whilst not com- completely obsolete, it's certainly having an impact uh, to that effect. And at the, the most recent SANS ICS summit, the overarching theme was about how the OT security and IT security teams, if they're not sitting under the one roof, they need to at least learn how to communicate better. And um, when we've got these disparate teams that, um, you know, that they're not communicating particularly well, it leads to misdetections. And um, one of the ways that we can really enhance and enable that is by using a shared technology platform, that they're speaking the same language, they understand the approach, they've got that same level of visibility, and it really helps, helps in this scenario. 
But the main thing, of course, is that we want to be able to detect, respond and contain the threat in IT before it has the opportunity to, to impact the operational systems. That's the, that's the number one objective. Um, and so to do that, certainly companies need to have that expectation that eventually their perimeter will be breached and the ransomware will find its way onto the inside. And they need to be able to detect and respond to that as soon as possible, um, disrupting this type of behaviour and containing it in real time, leveraging the right technologies to do that. Um, so that's that's one aspect of it. But the technology platform also needs to be able to have that really finely tuned sense of self and understanding of what's normal for the environment. Because if we don't understand what's normal, when there has been an incident, we don't always have the confidence to know that we have contained it, that, this, that it hasn't spread further. Um, and if we can understand that our operating environment is continuing to behave as normal, so are most of our IT systems, we can avoid some of those costly and unnecessary manual shutdowns that can uh, that can be the result of a, an IT attack. So, so you mentioned um, getting IT and OT on a similar technology. In your own practice, have you seen um, a little bit of pushback to IT and OT working together, some barriers between those two sides? And, and what would you suggest to, to help break down those barriers and make sure that those two sides are talking to each other and are speaking the same language? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's, you know, it's, it's well documented that it's culturally, um, you know, it's very different. And traditionally, those teams that have looked after operating environments, security hasn't been a high priority or, or necessarily a, um, a big risk because of that physical separation. And for IT security, OT environments and the focus around availability is it's completely, it's a new sort of topic. It's not focused around, you know, protecting intellectual property, for example. And um, so culturally, it can be very different and there can be sort of uh, knowledge gaps and cultural gaps that exist between them. Um, one of the things that, that we look at doing is using, using technology to help break down that divide um, by being able to take some of the knowledge and distill some of the knowledge that each side has into a way that is actually accessible to the other. So um, using AI, which is you know, the, the main thing that we're using to try and protect environments um, against ransomware these days, but using AI to add meaning and context to, to real world events that add OT context for IT security professionals uh, who are charged with looking after an OT environment, or that add security context and, and, and concepts and understanding to OT professionals that are trying to grapple with this new cybersecurity uh, requirement. Uh, so that's one of the one of the key ways is having that shared language and understanding and leveraging technology to help bridge that divide. It makes sense. Um, so what can be done more broadly to defend against industrial ransomware? Well, I guess when we're talking about ransomware in a, an industrial environment, it's it's obviously a high stakes situation, but we're usually dealing with very complex environments. And the way that ransomware or any sort of cyber attack can present, it's incredibly varied. Um, and so we need to leverage technologies that can handle complexity and that can handle unpredictability, that are able to spot these attacks regardless of how they present. Um, and so again, this is where we're, we're starting to leverage AI uh, in security more broadly, but certainly in industrial in particular, uh, to handle that complexity and the unpredictability. And there are three key ways that we, that we wanna use it to, um, to help address ransomware in this, in this space. First of all, we need to be able to detect the earliest possible signs of an attacker once they've entered the environment. So detecting those early uh, uh, subtle indicators that there's change. And we use the AI to, to basically create a sense of normal or a sense of self. How, do these, how does this environment normal behave, normally behave? So that we can spot those really early indicators that of an attacker's presence, basically. 
But then what we need to do is reduce the time to meaning. So from we've spotted something unusual happening, but how do we take that and get it into the security team's hands in a way that is meaningful, actionable intelligence uh, in the shortest amount of time possible? So again, we can leverage AI to automate a lot of that, that triage, the investigation, adding that context and um, deciding what, you know, what might this mean and, and what could potentially be done about it and putting that into the hands of an OT professional or a security professional in a way that they can action it very quickly. Um, and then lastly, and perhaps most importantly, when we're talking about ransomware, if it's got to that point where it's, it's executed and the ransomware is, is running rampant on the network, even the most well-resourced, dedicated 24-7 human team can't keep up with that speed. Um, an entire network could be encrypted, um, you know, in, in a very short space of time. And, and certainly when we're talking about OT systems where there's a lot of fragility, particularly at those lower levels, we, you know, we need to be able to, to disrupt it in real time. So that's where we need to leverage AI to be able to make those machine speed uh, decisions and those machine speed actions to disrupt illegitimate activity uh, as soon as it presents itself in a way that enables normal business activity to continue so that you know if there is a ransomware attack we can contain it uh, in a way that allows the operations at those lower levels to continue and it doesn't have that sort of crisis level impact um, so those are the, the three key ways that, um, that that companies are starting to leverage AI to to help defend against ransomware. With that early detection, as your colleague David Masson told us, once the attack has happened, it's way too late. Well, exactly right. Um, you know, detecting it is one thing. You need to be able to respond to it at a similar speed. Um, and especially if you're detecting it once it's in the, the, uh, the industrial environment, that's when we know we've got to respond immediately. So I'm going to ask you to uh, gaze into your crystal ball here. What are some of the developments in attacker trends we can expect with ransomware targeting OT and industrial environments moving forward? Um, I mean, we, we spoke about this uh, this last time. One of the, the main trends that, that we're seeing that I think is of particular importance around ransomware and OT is that we're starting to see more ransomware being deliberately written for and targeted against ICS systems. So um, I mentioned ECANS was, was the first example we'd seen in the wild where there were ICS-specific processes in its kill list. Um, it was designed to, to shut down specific ICS processes. And um, we've seen since then uh, a number of other ransomware families that are emerging that are doing the same thing. So I think the, the targeting will, will increase and the level of sophistication around some of that targeting will increase. Um, more broadly, though, I think we're going to see um, uh, a rise in the volume of attackers joining joining in. It is no longer just the purview of nation states. Um, you know, cyber criminals are seeing the incentive. Um, obviously, there are pressure points around um, operating environments, particularly around critical infrastructure, there's a greater likelihood of, of people giving into their demands. So there'll be, there's a lot of reason uh, for attackers to target it, but there's also this lowered barrier of entry. We're seeing um, so much more connectivity, so many more routes that attackers can exploit, particularly around these newer platforms, you know, ICS cloud and ICS as a service, industrial IoT weaker endpoints, additional avenues of, of connectivity. Um, so we're gonna see more and more targeting that's, that's, that's very tailored rather than just the, the sort of the accidental spillover of ransomware into an industrial environment. Um, one of the other trends that we're, um, that we're very conscious of is that increasingly we think attackers will start to leverage machine learning techniques. And while it's very much in its infancy at the moment, we know that um, the know-how, the building blocks to enhance 
a malware attack with machine learning um, to enhance its speed, its stealth, um, to reduce the likelihood of being detected. A lot of that technology had already exists. So as more and more AI research and, and software becomes available in the public domain, we imagine we're going to start to see more of that playing out in attacks, which will make them that much more difficult to detect using, using traditional methodologies. So one of the things I think we're seeing right now is the attackers unfortunately seem to be well ahead of the defenders, the sort of speed, the sophistication of their attacks. The defenders seem to be playing catch up a little bit now. How does that process happen? How do we get the people who are defending against ransomware attacks up to speed and then again ahead of the people who are attacking? Sure, yeah. I mean, I think in many ways that's true that attackers are the they've usually they have the the uh, the leg up because they are um they're the ones that just need to find that one new way into the environment etc um i think for companies that are looking to enhance their their cybersecurity i think first of all it's a mindset shift around this idea of um it's important to try and stop these attacks from getting out onto the network to begin with but we need to accept that eventually a sophisticated or determined attacker will find their way onto the network. So looking at uh, what level of visibility, what level of understanding do I have of my, of my systems? And you know, with, am I in a position to, to detect and respond uh, immediately if something were to go awry? So it's this concept of cyber resilience, I think, of, of being prepared to, to respond. Um, and so, so looking at platforms like like those leverage AI, for example, that are able to do a lot of that heavy lifting uh, and that are in a position to spot the attacker regardless of what they do next. And I think that's the that's the concept we're trying to get to is where the attacker, the defender, sorry, is on the front foot because they don't need to predict what the attacker is going to do next. They can understand what's normal for them and therefore they can, they can spot the attacker regardless of how they try to, uh, to leverage this new hyper-connected environment to, uh, to disable uh, important systems. I love it. That's a nice optimistic thought for us to, to, to end on for this one. So Haley, thank you so much for being with us from the other side of the world. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. So there you have it. There, uh, there definitely is malware, ransomware out there that has OT systems, manufacturing systems in its kill chain, according to Haley Turner of Darktrace. Great conversation. Uh, brought up a lot of things that, that we talk about uh, around here, about ransomware, about ITOT security, and, uh, and about the need to protect your OT systems from threat. Absolutely. And uh, like we promised at the beginning of this podcast, uh, you probably walked away from that with a little bit of fear in your in your heart. And that's okay, because I think it's healthy to be a little afraid sometimes. So it <laughs> helps, you, helps you prepare, helps you get ready. Yeah, so make sure you turn in next time uh, for our next episode of the Industrial Cybersecurity Pulse podcast. Um, you'll be able to find it on industrialcybersecuritypulse.com as well as other great content we put up on there. Uh, next time, we will be talking to Eric Byers. And we will be dropping one of these uh, every week. So, uh, so yeah, please check back. Uh, thanks, Tyler. It's been fun. Uh, I'll see you, you next Gary. time. Yep, see ya.